Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Cow Corner Podcast. The Birmingham League Show. For your latest dose of all things Birmingham League Cricket. I think you pressed record, mate. <laughs> I tell you what, that is really, that's a good job. You know, in the last one we did, it flashed up recording in progress, like, as we were finishing, I was like, surely not. <laughs> no, I thought no, we were going to go we through did. a whole last night there of not getting something. I thought, I've got to say something here, otherwise we're going to have to do this again. Yeah, start uh, we, again, did, brother. we did one in the Shropshire one where it kept cutting in and out and saying, recorded in progress, and it just meant that we lost about five minutes worth of content. But hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Cow Corner Podcast, Birmingham League Show, episode 23, and it's our 102nd episode. Well done, guys. Um, it's It's been quite you quiet. Applause, it's been... Have you not got an applause, man? Uh, I do have an applause, but your sound effects, man. All those sound effects. <laughs> oh, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a very quiet week in the Birmingham League. Not a lot's happened. Um, so <laughs> not much. Yeah. Um, Rain again. Rain again. Yeah. Talk about. And uh, for those of you listening, we do have Will Parton on the podcast who can give us a blow by blow of. Um, Everything that has happened in Division One <laughs> this week, without getting yourself a ban, please, Will. That would be, that would be. You nice. can get banned but, uh... for Saturday, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm four. Um, I think I'm a hundred second in the runs list. <laughs> I just don't like, like bowling the left handers. I'm not, so I'm not in the top hundred. <laughs> anyway, my name's James Hill, as always, and I am joined by the Wall. Usman Awan, how are we, Usman? Well, that's not going to last long, man. The wall, <laughs> the wall, with a lot of cracks and holes in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, as we noticed today, is leading the league in not outs. So, hence his new nickname. And then we have a rich man's Jack Black, 
the best looking man in Birmingham League cricket, Will Parton. Joining them, the man himself, Mr. High Performance, the one person everyone always knows and asks for, Andy <laughs> Sutton. So it's been an interesting week, guys. How have you all been? Stressed. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep. No sleep since Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to it later. Right. I've just I've just talked about it and I've wound myself up, so let's calm down again. Calm down, talk about some cricket, and then we can talk about that. I think you're probably the only one who's had a pretty relaxed week of cricket, to be honest, uh, Sats. Yeah, it's been good. Um, a lot of covers on and off and all that sort of stuff. I know we played uh, Uzi's Mosley the week before and we had Wolver- Wolverhampton this weekend and unfortunately the, the kind of weather and thunder, lightning and flooded outfields and all that sort of stuff has, has kind of been very frustrating over the last uh, couple of weeks. But uh, I think this weekend, especially against Wolves, we got the most that we probably and possibly could have got out of that game. So uh, very pleased. And and over the last five or six weeks, we've made some strides and put some pressure on teams above us. So, yeah, very stress-free and uh, work's going well and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, very happy. Good. Yeah, we've run the numbers on all of the divisions and then worked out an average of what people have done and got an estimate on how many points teams will finish this season and it's looking like around 300 points will probably win both divisions this year which will be the least in well the last five years well there's been quite a few high um uh high points to win the league hasn't there i think um Going back over the last decade, I know we broke the record of 370 or something like that, and then Books will beat it a few years later, didn't they? And they've got very close to 400, pretty much almost mm. as much as most points you can get in the league, wasn't it? They, they lost the last game of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and ended up with about, was it what was it, 3? Three? 389 eight, in 2019? Yeah, so it was, it was about 390, was it? we've got to be close. So yeah, um, 300 is quite a low, a low mm. one to win. That usually... Either means a tough four season or rain. <laughs> yeah. And it is the latter, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty one with uh three hundred and eleven, but if you put that with the average points per game, that's still three forty two because that year Burtswell only played twenty games and won the league. Um but yeah, uh and the weather doesn't seem to be looking like it's gonna be getting better anytime soon either. Is there a heat wave coming or something? I'm sure I read in the news today. It's going to start already. Yeah. Scary sky just flashes saying heat wave coming. It's getting hotter. All this kind of worrying stuff is coming out. So maybe it will change. I think it'll be really disappointing, actually, if come six, seven weeks' time or eight weeks' time when it's back in the season, they'll be deciding on a lot of like rain-affected games. I think they'll be really, really poor. I think the way it's poised now, with like a what six five six teams could probably be in the shout in five six weeks time mm, yeah. yeah just you just hope you just hope the weather stays away um obviously nobody can control that but you hope that that way stays away and actually cricket and the best team as it comes out on top or best teams are in it towards the end um, yeah yeah the days is frustrating for everyone aren't they mm. preventing teams from catching up and preventing anyone from pulling away at the top at the same time I'm sure there's yeah. there, there would have been some results from a few teams that would have allowed them allowed them to either be further out the top or, you know, get themselves out of trouble. 
Yeah, and as you were predicting, Will, it's been all go at the top end of Division 1 since we last talked, but we'll uh, come on to that in a bit. We have also had a few of your listener questions that have been sent in as well, especially from a very special person who sent theirs in with a voice note as well. So looking forward to getting that one on in a bit. But anyway, let's get ourselves started and we'll start with our first division and Division 1. <laughs> Cheers, well. So, leading the way in Division One with 196 points are Noel and Dorridge. Four points behind them are Hales Owen. Hales Owen jumped all the way up the table from fifth, where they've been uh, for the last <laughs> few weeks, having led the way in week 10. Then behind them, five points behind Mosley, having lost their first game since week five. Then behind them, seven points behind our Smethic. Then six points behind them are Wolverhampton in fifth. 14 points behind them are Bank Green. Nine points behind them are Kenilworth Wardens. Seven points behind them are Barnards Green. Then nine points behind them are Ombersley in ninth. Then you've got the big jump down. 19 points behind Ombersley are Berkswell in 10th. And 13 points behind them are Shrewsbury in 11th. And then 50 points behind Shrewsbury are Kidderminster. So without going over the usual <laughs> topic points that we've been going over for the last few weeks, as you mentioned, it's increasingly getting tighter at the top. I would say, though, Bank Green you kind of look like you're getting close and you just can't quite get those victories over the line such. You're leading the league in winning draws at the moment. Yeah, we. to be honest, I think from the start of the season, kind of going back obviously a, a fair few months now, we we played one of the first five white ball games and got kind of completely trounced by um, Wolverhampton. But since the kind of the red ball stuff has started, yes, we've had a few kind of winning draws and... But we've also, I think the positives that we would take out a lot of the cricket that we've played is when we've been in the mire, when we were a bit behind the eight ball against Berkswell and Smethwick, we've kind of got out of them with losing draws. And last couple of weeks, we've probably got the most out of the last two games with the weather and everything else. So I, to be honest, I think the fight that we've shown and like you just said there with the points table, 36 points behind um, the top, and we've still got to play one, two, three. Eight. Say again. It's eight games, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, eight games left, and we've still got to play three of the sides above us uh, in white ball games. So yeah. I think if we can stay within touching this, obviously huge game against Shrewsbury this weekend at kind of both ends of the table. So that'd be quite an interesting one. Hopefully that doesn't get messed around by the weather because that'd be a very interesting game of cricket. Um, but I think we've also had two or three outright wins in red ball cricket. So I think that's that just shows that um, we're in a pretty good place. Jack Banton's playing beautifully at the moment. He's just scored two very, very good hundreds. Uh, the bowling attack is is working quite nicely and it's not just one person doing it or, or kind of three, four of us are, are, are putting in a good shift. Um, so if we can stay within kind of 30-odd points of top two side, top two, three sides going into the white ball, then we give ourselves a really good chance of of pushing for the title. So, uh, yeah, it's mm. been really positive so far. Yeah, 289 runs in the last three league games for Jacques Banton. He's on his way to becoming one of the best Jacks to play have played in the Birmingham League. 
Um, so yeah, you know, Callis didn't play. Callis had a game. He must have had a couple of games. Yeah, old. He played for old Edwardians, uh, didn't he? Um, Jack Callis, right, I believe, because yeah. uh, one of the yeah. blokes who plays for my cricket club, I think he played used to play for Harbour, and he he always mentions it like every day. Um. <laughs> he used to uh, he used to work on our ground when he played for all the audience because that's right behind our ground. Mm. So apparently he was a, he was a groundsman at our place. Jack all right. Well, there you I go. Was, I was actually not, reading, um... talking of pro cricketers doing or not doing work on the ground. Um, I was actually reading, uh, you know, in the Birmingham Cricket Executive Group on Facebook. There was a really good post by someone. I think Oliver Stuart Oliver or someone. Some um, and he put about. He'd written these articles about Kevin Peterson's time in the Birmingham League, which was quite an interesting read. So if you are on that group, do take some time out to Alec, look at it. it. But jumping, yeah. Um, split, divided opinion, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it went too well, did it? Shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at Bart Green's next few fixtures, I think you're an outside punt, Suts, and I think you'd probably be fancying yourself, wouldn't you? You've got Shrewsbury, then a big game against K&D, then Kidderminster, Berkswell. So you've got the bottom three and the leaders. If you, you get a positive result against K&D, you'd very much be backing yourselves probably to get a good result against the bottom three. Then games against Smethwick after that, then Barnett's oh, Green, Green. Kenner, Kenilworth Wardens and Hales Owen. Hales so, Owen. Setting yourselves up, you've got a lovely little run in there, and you again, you'll be playing against sides who are in and around you as well, so you get, can take points off them as well as having exactly teams who are down there. That's I think that's the only. We obviously talk about the weather a fair bit on on the pod, and I think that's the one kind of little bonus around what's happening at the moment is you've got six, even maybe throw Kenilworth in there as well as a seventh team that couple of wins. And taking points off sides that are in and around and above you, then you go into the wide ball games, obviously, where the bigger swing of points can uh, can happen. And then massively in the game, we've played some really good sides. Obviously, Mosley were stacked full of high quality cricketers. We probably just burgled a bit of a, uh, a a genuine draw there. I think we both came out of that with with nine points each, and mm. uh, a bit of thunder and lightning kind of curtailed that, which was a bit of a shame. But um, if we can, yeah, I think the K&D game, Shrewsbury game, obviously massive for both sides, Shrewsbury and Barnt Green. But I think, yeah, K&D, if we, if we don't get a positive result there, that'll probably push us and push them way too ahead f- from us. So that'll be our kind of cup final, I would have thought, um, when it comes to pushing for the league. So we've got to be ready for that win in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks' time. But uh, no, really exciting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see everybody's contributing well and, uh, and hopefully we can we can push going into the white ball. But uh, yeah, it's really tight yeah. at the moment. And you look at Ombersley, Will, and having just come up against Kidderminster face Berkswell this week. So a good victory for them. They could probably set themselves apart and get them into that middle pack and probably just get themselves to stay for D. Well, I don't know if it would be early enough for that. Um, there's 160 points to play with you. It's a lot of points. How many Red Bull games left? Because it's a little bit more Ooh. if you... Two, so 168 games and then six white at the end, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah 168 points to play with then, technically, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. So that puts anybody in any position, you know, if it, I said it last time, it will be the team that gets themselves in a little run. Mm-hmm. James has kindly put a uh, a sheet together which shows how many points you'd need to be to survive and 
12th place generally comes in around just well, just over 210 points isn't it mm. yeah you know to survive so um yeah and if, if Shrewsbury carry on in the current points per game they're forecast to get about 162 so they'll be yeah. a big turnaround on Bursley at the moment they carry on their run of form predicted to get about 212 mm. and Burke's well Burke's well 182 so it's pretty tight, isn't it? Mm. It's pretty tight. So it'll be whichever one of those three wants to win a few games, I guess. Mm. Nobody's managed it, to I do it, it this that, year. I think it's what you just said earlier, Will. I think it's just like it's, it, it would just come down to if any of those teams can just put three wins together, three out of yeah. four wins. And I think yeah. you get a little bit of a rhyme. So, you know, amateur cricket, amateur sport is just a momentum thing, isn't it? You, you feel. Mm. 10 feet tall, you feel whatever, and you just just feel some more confident if you've just got a couple of victories behind you. So I think it would just, I think it's spot on, mate. I think it'd just be a, because none of those sides are bad sides. Like everyone's a very, very like, good team. And like you yeah. look at those teams, there's mate, some serious good cricketers in there. So I think it's just a case of having a good day and then making that count and then going again the next week and then going again the week after. I think three slash four weeks, you get that of a bounce. And I think you're spending the next you're spending back end of August not looking behind you you're probably looking ahead yeah mm-hmm. so I was saying it's a shame about the weather because I think without that this looks this would have looked a lot clearer I think mm-hmm. it's, a lot of results might have gone different ways um, but there would have been more results rather than draws you, and the gap you, would have been yeah. clearer between a few different sides um, yeah you, you look at Burkeswell in their first five games they won they won two and had three abandoned, and none of the bottom three, four came anywhere near that. Kitty lost three of their five. Shrewsbury didn't even get on. Well, they got on for one game against Barnes Green and lost. Um, so, yeah, you don't know, do you? But you look at you look at Burkeswell's next few fixtures. Ombersley is going to be a massive game because after that, it's Mosley, Wolverhampton, Barnt Green, K&D before a big finish where they face Kiddy, Shrewsbury and Smethwick. Yeah, we, yeah I know we've still got um, Kidderminster and Burkeswell to play. Burkeswell, I think, was second to last game, isn't it? And then we've got you guys yeah. for the, at your place to finish off. we still got to play the top three. You know, and we've, you've already tipped um, Barnt Green to be an outside chance. We've got mm. you guys Saturday, so it's not, it's not going to be easy and but I think so. Having, uh, I actually find this going to sound such a weird thing to say, but sometimes uh, being in a relegation battle, I'm not saying it is right now, but being in that, you actually end up playing better cricket because yeah. of like the good players put, turn it on when there's no bit of pressure on. I think mm. a side that's just cruising mid table can have this kind of blips where good players don't perform and bowlers don't bowl as well. But I think, you know, I've been in relegation battles far too many times where. Likes of Freddie, I remember Freddie Brewer just used to turn it on. It was a big game against someone that we need to win to stay up or win to kind of give us a chance to stay up the weekend after. Um, him, people like Hugh Jones, and just good players who just step up. So I think sometimes yeah. good players turn it on when the pressure's on. So I think it's not, you know, I'd back you, I'd back good players in terms of in that, in that sense where coming into that kind of playing against the bigger sides, knowing they need points. Um, yeah. I think sometimes those kind of players just step up for their teams. I would, I would also say though that we're 14 weeks into a season. You know, I think teams are where they That's are crazy, because you know, <laughs> it's you know, if if 
you've had a long time to try and get your house in order. I know that it's been on off, but then you look at a side like Kenilworth Wardens, they've had a good run of form. Um, their last game being that game against Shrewsbury, which was abandoned. That was and every other game they've played. And they've recently gone on a really good run, a winning draw against Candy, a victory against Kiddy, then a winning draw against Berkswell and a winning draw against Smethwick. They're a side running into good form as well. You never know. I don't know. I don't think you can rule anything out with so many points left to play, really. Mm. With, yeah. with, with the amount of guys that have got to play each other, yeah, but that's probably as far down as you can get with a real outside chance. They're the, they're the last, they're the only other team who's got an outside the outside outside chance, you know, to do the impossible. And anything below that is is out of the question. But, um, mm. but also it, you know, it probably a bad run of form puts you down just in the same amount of time puts you down at the bottom. Mm. You know, you get you go we go by our in two podcasts time and we've played another four or five games. If you don't pick any points up in these fifty five last two fifty five over games, you can find yourself getting a run of three games with a loss and getting two points each game, all of a sudden mm. you only picked up 20 points in four or five weeks and everyone else around you's picked up 40, 50 points. That gap closes to less than a win. Yeah. So, and, you still, and then you've still got another four games to play. Yep. So, so um, let's look at some of the results that have happened. So going on to this week's results, Barn Green had scored 256 for three and then declared uh, and uh, 40 overs jack banton 139 off 121 balls 13 fours seven sixes ollie cox and ben chapman lily uh scoring 44 and 45 respectively for stacked barn green side that day then wolverhampton were 72 for three in response when that game was called for a draw then Hales Owen with another good win, which is why they've shot back up the table. 177 for nine for Hales Owen. And then bowled out Berkswell for 128. Cy Gregory, 91, not out. Alex Cavazzi, 36. And then with the ball for Hales Owen, Zainal Hassan, four for 22 off his eight overs. And Eddie Rhodes, Three for 17 off his 10 at Miserly. Ombersley with another big wit. Ombersley with another big victory, having got Kidderminster 127 for eight and then knocking them off five down in the 22nd over. Rizwan Hussain 55 for them in that game. And with the ball, George Panay, three for 31 off his 10. Then the first feature game of the week is K&D, their victory against leaders Mosley. Mosley won the toss and elected to bat. Then we were 112 all out and then K&D knocked them off three down. So as one of the first weeks that Keith Barker has failed to score runs and it comes with a Mosley defeat. I told you to walk home now. On Sunday night, it's like, don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not playing next week, he's dropped. Uh, <laughs> so that was, we had a really good, uh, me and me, Keith, and Andy spoke in the morning. I was like, should we do bat ball? Conditions look like bowling. Um, but you can't usually pretty good wicket. And there's also a bit of use. I thought it might spin a little bit later. 
And then it was like, I think we should bat first. Feeling the reins around, it affects the team batting second. So as soon as I, I won the toss, which I, I think was also Jack's first toss that he's lost all season because he made a point of that. However, I don't think that's a toss lost by Jack because he didn't call. The different argument, right? A different day. We'll talk about that. Uh, but anyway, so I said <laughs> a bit of time. Well, I'm, I'm taking saying if you if you like if you don't call, then you can't lose the toss, right? You can only lose the toss if you call, right? <clears throat> no, just me. Cool. All right. Anyway. Wait, what, what are you saying? So if you just don't say anything. Yeah. So imagine me and you, right? Right. And your place. So I've got to call heads or tails. Yeah. Right. And if I call tails, I and I win the toss, right? I don't think you've lost the toss because you didn't call it. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? If you think about it, it's so true. So <laughs> I, every time I've lost the toss at home, I would tell the lads, I haven't lost the toss because I didn't call. Well, I, I took it that way. I took it like I was losing the toss. Then, <laughs> yeah, so I told you before, the amount of 10 piece I've thrown over our sight screen into the neighbouring garden. Because <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to use it again. There's about probably about £4.50 in that garden over the years. <laughs> I, I, I say to Lewis when I think it's been a rain around, I, I message him, I say, have you been, make sure you're thumbs rested Saturday morning. I don't want you injuring your thumb for the coin toss. I want you to be practicing all week, make sure that lands on whatever it is you wanted to land on. But the, you don't know what they're going to call, so I don't know. I, that, that's one of my big theories. I see what you mean. Yeah, you yeah. can't leave a toss at home. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I said, I said we're back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said we're back, and honestly, other... His reaction, Jack's reaction, just looked at me like, "What the fuck?" And even the umpires were like, "What?" <laughs> and I've, have you, I don't know if you had this moment. Have you ever doubt what you've just said? Like I said, "Bat," and I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I think I, <laughs> I think I the umpires. Does that count? Because I think I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> have you ever known <laughs> you should have said after you. <laughs> oh shit! I shouldn't have told him about the offshore account. Oh shit! I shouldn't have told him. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, Simpsons reference there. Yeah, we went back in the dressing room. It was like, lads, we're biting first. And they were like, yeah, yeah, good one. And I was like, no, we are biting. So it's like, did you actually win? And I was like, yeah. So I don't know where this little doubt came from, but it was definitely, I don't think it was Yeah. I copped it. I copped it a little bit. Um, mm. But I didn't tell them to chip. Half of them got out caught in the ring. So I don't know. That's got nothing to do with me. But I think, I think what we went wrong. Uh, we're pretty. Uh, anyone who's playing against us, we, we'd like to attack. Right, we're, we're pretty positive side, especially at top. We had a bit of a change. Abdullah was away this week, which was, was automatic fine for missing cricket game. Going on holiday, um, so we had a bit of a change, and then um, Barksy wanted to, <laughs> he had the steering that he wanted to bat properly this weekend because uh, I think they had, a, they had a game this weekend. He, he had a chance that he was going to bat a little bit higher or whatever. But he was like, I just need to get into my. I was going to bat properly, not his normal self, which you saw a couple of weeks ago. Or, mm. um, or, or what you saw, Suts. Um, yeah, didn't see much of it because it was so bloody dark. <laughs> but uh, he, um, he just, um, he just, we do, I think we got four lads caught in the ring who tried the positive option. But I think where we went wrong, and we spoke about afterwards, was we didn't really communicate thinking this is not a 250 wicket, this is not a 250 game, this is a Let's get to 170, 180 kind of day, and then we should give our bowlers enough. Um, so we we kind of we kind of messed it up there. Um, and then I thought Ches bowled really well. I think our five very ball. In fact, his record yeah. against us would be ridiculous, mate. He's, I think, 
he cleans up against us every time. Such a good bowler. He just puts is that, him on the spot. Is that clip, Andy? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It looked like it was quite... You can't tell from beyond from that angle, but it looked like it must have lit back a little bit or something. I think that's the first one he lit back. Um, was it? Because he naturally just shapes it away. Yeah. Um, and I think generally likes generally we like to kind of just take him on and go with it, go over mid-off or extra cover. But I think because of the condition or situation that we were in, we couldn't take that risk. I'm sure Andy couldn't take that risk. And it would have had we lost maybe one more. Had I come in, which is the last result, he would have gone a bit more aggressive. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, so I think <laughs> just we got 112. It. Absolute seed. Yeah, so he, bought, he bought exceptionally well. Like he was he was the best bowler of the day. Um Five for thirty-three then, off nine overs. Yeah, top class. Um, one, one, two, one, one, two were just rubbish. Like there was never going to be a winning score. Um, and then they just pretty much the batting really well. I think the young kid Hamza looked pretty good. Mm. Um, and then we just kept picking on wickets. And I was kind of thinking, are we going to do something stupid here? Um, that very quickly turned into no, we're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, but I think from our from us, it just didn't it just didn't happen. Like if you're defending one one two, you pick up wickets in like a lot of wickets in clusters. Like you probably go like three at a time or four at a time, which has happened before, right? Um, but we just I think we they're part of sixty off for the first part first wicket, and mm. from there just got a little bit flat. Um, so we just didn't get it right. It was one of those. You know, we actually didn't have a long chat about it. We said, look, out of eight games, we've lost one. Um, we talked this off. Um, get better next Saturday and that was pretty much the message uh, it was a shame to lose to Candy yeah next game against Kidderminster for Mosley um, but yeah the, the other main talking point from this game was not only that KD won in the battle of the top two but it was also the return of Ollie Coral who opened the bowling got one for 42 off his 10 overs how how was he as looked like he hadn't been off at all or uh I think he was a little bit um it was a little I think hmm, how, how, how would I sum them up um you could tell he hadn't played for eight weeks at the start mm. but it's because he's quite a competitive guy he quickly got into it from just his nature of being loud on the pitch. Um, I think there was one over when Andy may have hit him for four fours, I think it was. I think he, that was where I thought he just got tired. I think that was probably his last over the spell where I think a consistently playing Coral would have carried on a longer spell. But I think that was just a one over too many where he just kept dragging it down. And he played the same shot four times, I think. He just kept punch, pulling him for four. The same spot, which made me think, Jack, just put a field in there or something. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I think he was, he quickly got into it, into the game. But I think even when um, when he was fielding, he was, I think, back to his normal self, kind of just you know, cheering his team on in that sense. Um, but yeah, I'd say, which is, which is expected, right? After missing eight weeks of cricket, um, it would take some time to kind of get into kind of bowling long spells. So I think he's used to bowling a lot of long spells. I remember him being at Leamington where he'd bowl a lot. Um, but it just felt like this week or the weekend gone, it was just one, one too many. Yeah. We've got Jack Grundy coming on as a guest on our next episode, I believe. So we can talk to him about having uh, Coral joining back and everything that's gone on. But yes, the other main talking point there in the other game was Shrewsbury versus Barnard's Green, Will. 
pretty docile game, I thought. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. <laughs> so let's talk. I'll talk it's through the stats the first before Some we uh, go through it. So. Uh, Shrewsbury won the toss and elected to field. Barnard Green scored 183 for seven off their 36 overs. And then Shrewsbury fell five short, nine down. Leading the runs that day, Ryan Tong, skipper with 97 off 91 balls, just falling three short of his ton. Uh, the only person to really trouble the scorers as well was Dan Holland with 22. For Shrewsbury, for Shrewsbury, Will Parton leaded the way with 34 and the runs were shared around with every one else. John Dovey, Jonathan Dovey, five for 38 off his 11 overs. And in the Barnard's Green innings, Luke Thornton, four for 62 off his 11, leading the way and become a bit of an internet star, Will. Yeah, we'll get out of the way, shall we? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's a, I'm sure whoever's listening has probably seen it by now, a small incident of a, a nick off, um, which we thought was out. And so did the batsman until everybody seemed to change their mind, you know, after he'd uh, almost walked over the boundary. But uh, it's happened. Um, and I'm not sure how much I can go into it without getting into, into too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, yeah. It I looks... think, I think just, we may as well just say, I think the fact that he walked a few paces off and was ready to just leave the field and it was still given, well, no decision was made. And then he's made a decision to walk back. I think that's what set tensions high for the rest of the game, I think. And then he put on another 40 odd runs or nearly 50 runs. Uh, yeah, about forty odd. Yeah, about forty odd runs, wasn't it? Forty-five runs. Um, with us losing by five, you know, well, not losing by five, but falling five short, and getting losing draw is what's most disappointing about it, really. Um, if he what? just stood, I think the argument was if he'd have just stood there, maybe. And we've all we've all done it. We've all nicked one and waited for the umpire to give the decision. I had one against Kidderminster the other week, but it's hard to walk for an LBW, and I had taken three or four steps off the pitch. Expecting it to be given, didn't give it, so I stopped. More back that you can't really walk for an LBW, but this one of those, if you stand there, then hold your ground. Mm-hmm. There's a bit pull against the, of the game, but it's a little bit more accepted, isn't it? We've all been there and stood there and nicked one or whatever and waited for the umpire to give it and I'll give it. So I think everyone was kind of in agreement with that. Yeah, so um, one of the things that's really. Uh... I'll go for it. 
I was to say, what was more annoying, him walking and walking back, or the decision from the umpire? What frustrated? What do you reckon? If you say that that was the most frustrating thing, him walking, walking back, or the umpire, you know, not giving something that was absolutely smashed it. Probably the decision because, you know, after because after he's saying that he did hear a couple of noises and then saw the batsman walk off. If you're in any sort of doubt, that should clear the doubt in your mind, shouldn't it? You know, that, the fact that he's not even had to wait for the decision. Um, and has walked in the video, he's walked twice, technically, <laughs> in, in that. Um, so probably the, probably the decision. But um, if you watch the video as well, there's a couple that keep appealing for the decision. But most of it, it's such a, it was such a blatant nick that everyone else was just celebrating because he's walking off. But I think because there were people still appealing, that's what made him realise the decision hadn't been given. Whereas if we'd actually just said high five and just carried on, he would have carried on walking. Which is, so you could almost blame ourselves for carrying on appealing for a decision where he's already walking off, so there's no need to appeal for it. So it was... Um, at, what point do you, uh, at what point do you blame Swifty for not running him out? That's another thing. So... Uh, we, I reckon we had to stop the game 20 times to put the bales back on because it was that windy that day. And we did ask oh. for heavy bales and we were told no. And on that occasion, after he threw it up in the air, he threw it up in the air straight away. Um, and the bale blew off. <laughs> so we couldn't take him off. <laughs> so the wind grabbed It's all having that one ball. So I know. There, are few, there's, there's, there was plenty that went on in the game. I think there's a few lads that took their stumping decisions and there's... Uh, Hargrave got um, George in um, Dubby's first over, bowling two shoulder height balls, and in my opinion, well, shoulder and chest height balls, full tosses, no balls all day long, not given, shouldn't have bowled again, ends up getting five. Um, and he was actually out on one of them as well. So that's, you know, that was the point. So there was a few things which should go away. And then there's other things that we could have done better at the same time. You can't just blame umpires or yeah, opposition, you know. I think we dropped, I think, um, Two balls before we nicked that one, or two balls after something like that. Ryan nicked it. We had him dropped, and then dropped him, and two balls later on the boundary again. So we could have saved ourselves 30, 40 runs ourselves, and taken that out of the equation. So we can't just blame everybody else. Mm. There are things we could have done better. Some soft shots as well on the some soft shots as well on the chase. You know, we, we should have chased it down. It was only five and over. It didn't have to go massive. We getting loads of bad balls. Do you think your league position? And also the importance to get runs increased the frustration from your team? Oh, no. Well, yes and no. I think we would have been just as frustrated no matter what the outcome of the game. Maybe if it was two games towards the end and there was nothing to play for, um, probably it wouldn't have been as big as it was. But considering how important points are at the moment, it like I said before, the way results have gone for us recently, um, it made it even more frustrating that you know, it's things just don't seem to be going our way. But like I said, there's plenty. I think I, when I was doing the highlights, I could see the frustration in mm. our own our own lads from mistakes we were making. So a bit of everything that's been, come together. Even with, even with all of that happening, with us needing to take seventeen wickets and sort of having six to play with we mm. still should have won the game yeah even after um, all of that we still should have won it i think that i think the main thing that has come out of this for me is the future of live streams now i 
I love live streams and I think that they're great, but how it is used on social media, it is quite easy for impressions, interactions and clicks and things like that when people, even, you know, ourselves, you know, put controversial decisions that are going to put umpires under pressure. And I was even speaking to an umpire the other night when I went out for some beers and he was saying that, you know, the, the pressure that he feels under because he knows that he is going to a game where it's being recorded and that you can go back and just be like, oh, well, look, and you can, as everyone kind of does now, you can kind of screenshot decisions and go, look at that, you know, and at the end of the day, they, these people are, are amateurs just like everyone else and picking up a couple quid, it's not, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I think, I, I think I, the league I, states, I, I, yeah, I, was say, I think that the league does state that the use of recording equipment isn't to justify or to be used to argue decisions made during the game. And there is something written somewhere, which is a fact. And I think I think some of the lads tried to point this out on Saturday and the umpires were rightly so in saying, you can't use that against us to mm. prove a point. You know, it doesn't, doesn't justify anything. You can't change a decision, you, you know. You can analyze it afterwards. They can analyze it. We can analyze our stuff. I know after watching myself back for a couple of years now that the balls really are as wide as everybody's been telling me for all these years that I'm looking off to. So I always thought they were much closer than they're not. They really are that wide. So, it, you know, you, you can you can analyze it that way. But it, they aren't supposed to be used for this reason. You are right. And I think I said it earlier that off the, uh, off the podcast that I wouldn't be surprised if stuff like this keeps happening and it keeps going too much and going viral like you say and it wasn't something that we posted ourselves online this has come from other accounts of the cricket clubs other people posting it I remember um, the Shropshire League was the first person to put it up as well wasn't it yeah exactly yeah and, and that's, which I think... that's which is also okay. poor mm. um, and uh, it, it, there might there might be something come in in place to say like these clips shouldn't surface for this reason, or if you, you know, you're gonna, we're gonna have to sign some sort of declaration about what content goes out and how it's used. Because at the moment, there isn't anything, is there? No. Like, I can't see how they can. I can't see how that can be policed, though, right? Because I don't. Again, I haven't read the rules properly, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the clubs now use the stream and have an advertising banner that goes around, so they actually generate revenue for the cricket for the club yeah. or whatever. So yeah. having the clubs to shut down streams, it's going to be a little bit difficult to do that now. Secondly, like how would, like in this, in, this, in the whole incident, Shrewsbury haven't put anything out, right? Your no. club hasn't put anything out, right? No. So how, this and you person can't stop anyone this person could have, taking it either. Exactly. So this yeah. person could have gone to YouTube, screen recording, got the clip out and put it onto their account or whatever. So how <clears throat> how Shrewsbury will be held accountable of that? I don't think they can I don't be, right? Think, so, no, I don't think you can, but there might be something which goes out where it's there's nothing stopping you putting highlights from your game and good or bad things there, but if you put something out which is like, what an awful decision today, or something like that, which you shouldn't do anyway, yeah. but there yeah. might be something which goes out there, but it might be the fact that, you know, the club could go, or people from the club could then go in comment on or somebody else post this for me so I can comment on it you know you could yeah. I think you know, there are people sure. like that the people who will go and then just reel off because for example the one that was posted by a Shropshire League um, official the reels of comments after that from players 
slagging the umpires off or and the players off on there is what they probably want to avoid, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and you've got to think. Yeah. You've got to think about one the umpires who were who were standing. It's a hard job as it is, and it's, these are split second decisions as well. And but also then at the other end, you know, the batsman who who's who's at the other who's at the end when it happens, Tong or Tong, whatever you want to say, because. Um, He's being dragged into it, and he's having everyone all over social media comment on what he should or shouldn't have done. But I think yeah. you know, speak to most bats, batters, and uh, you will generally wait for the umpire's decision if you've nicked one behind or you've hit one. Yeah, but I think you are right that you can't stop the streaming now. And I think that we were probably going down the route of it being for Premier League. I wouldn't be surprised if the league made everyone get one mm. in the okay. future. I would so, be surprised because then the league could jump on that and use everyone's stream as sponsorship. Mm. The league so, could have yeah. their own thing with it. They could do it themselves. They could make it mandatory for the Premier League to use it and then all of this and the league to promote itself. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised I mean, if, if any, even if there was. But, I mean, it's just one occurrence, isn't it? I haven't really mm. seen anything else like this go out there. It's, there it's, was, a, it's there a rare a moment of, in a match which has been caught on camera. Yeah. This could have been us next week, didn't it? There was um, there was a so club in be a camera, so. there was a club in the Shropshire League who recorded. They had an umpire cam who recorded the games, and then they were actively kind of getting people to talk about decisions and things like that, and that got cut quite quickly. Um, oh, really? I think I think the biggest problem is is that's you know the world the world that it is and the way that we are you know it's it it creates talking points and it gets people interacting with things and that's why it's an easy thing for people to do but um yeah. we do have our very first uh, listener question and it comes from someone called the secret umpire hi guys secret umpire here I've disguised my voice because I don't want to be known first question to walk or not to walk and if you don't, not an issue. But then, is it unreasonable to criticise an incorrect umpiring decision? Second question. The number of umpires is declining. Do the panel think that players' behaviour or reactions affect this directly? Hope that helps. I like to think that I have a good relationship with the players and firmly believe communication is the key. Being approachable and open is a far better way than being standoffish and treating players like children. Treat them like adults and invariably they act accordingly. All the best, the secret umpire. So secret umpire there. Um, two questions, to walk or not to walk was the first one. And then the second one was about umpires declining in numbers and players' reactions. What are our thoughts? Uh, I think as a, as, a <laughs> as a guy who hardly gets out uh, <laughs> <laughs> from the wall himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not walking, mate. <laughs> Raul, what Raul Dravid um, himself says. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you let them by making a decision. I think don't walk. I, I, not that anyone cares, but whenever I've lived such off so many times, I've never walked. Usually the poles have come off as well, but like, <laughs> that's a different reason. Um, uh, you don't walk. I think the game, the game evens itself in the end. Um, in my opinion, it's the same as same as a same as a bowler. You're going to get 
uh, plenty of wickets where it's been smashed onto someone's pad and given LBW, and then other weeks you they nick it to the keeper, massive noise, not given, didn't hear it, whatever it might be, and vice versa as a batter and all that sort of stuff. You let the the guys do their uh, do their job, and I think that's the big thing. You have got to let these guys do their job, and I think we said this before we started. If if and you said it as well, well, if if Ryan doesn't move and doesn't walk off then it's not really the it's nothing happens yeah nothing happens so it's not necessarily the decision it doesn't make it look any better but uh i think yeah from a non-walking point of view i think the game the game evens itself out in the end and if you are a walker then that's your that's your thing but i don't think you should be throwing it onto other people to be walking just because you do i think that's yeah. expect a little bit of stuff to be said to you if you if you do nick it to whatever there's going to be the odd thing said here and there and and that's the kind of risk you run and and what have you but i think from my point of view the, the game evens itself in the end and by the end of the season you get your uh you whether it's your comeuppance or you get your your luck either way so you, you crack on with that really yeah i it think that's um yeah, the situation sorry. comes into it as well, doesn't it? You know, if, like oh, some, if some people's minds get changed. I always walk, they always walk. But if you're blocking out for a draw and you feather a tiny little feather there through you it, yeah, you're probably going to stand there and wait to see if it gets given out. You oh, know, sorry. as much as, as much as everyone likes to take the high ground and say, I'd walk, I'd walk, I'd like to see, you know, if you nick this last ball of the game and your side gets relegated. Exactly. Are you really going to just walk off and accept the relegation, or exactly. even stand there at the umpire? Well, right the obvi- they obviously talk about it a little bit in football as well. Is a big question: Would you die for a penalty if you could win the World Cup in the last minute, sort of thing? And yeah. you get a few players that are holier than that. I'm not a diver. Or I'm telling you now, chance to get a penalty in the last minute, or to keep your side up, or to win a title. Um, of course, you want, yeah, 100%. you're not, you're not going to do it. I've won close to ten penalties diving, so I'm not first. <laughs> I think I think the second question is more interesting as well because yeah. I I think I'm generally uh, as I've as I've grown up and matured a little bit I'm actually more sympathetic towards umpires I think uh, the declining numbers is something that I have thought about before which is you know you you, you think about from the umpires perspective they are they they get up this Saturday they are you know a, a smaller community in terms of I mean we still, we're quite privileged in the sense where. When we give, when we said we're giving up on Saturday, we're still playing with our friends, right? We're still gonna go see ten guys that we're gonna spend, we're happy to spend the whole day with. So, but for the umpires, it's a little bit different. They're traveling to wherever they're traveling to. You know, I don't know in terms of figures, but I assume not getting a lot of money for it as well. Um, and then getting having guys giving them shit. I can imagine it's a pretty shit place to be. So I think mm. um, I've kind of matured where I've I've actually gone to the other side where if umpires made a bad decision. I've always tried to spoke to the umpires afterwards in the dressing room and said, look, I think you may have got that wrong. Um, and then also just understood the fact that, like, exactly what Sut said, it swings around about saying, mate, I think things will, sometimes things will go against you, sometimes things will go against with you. And I think there's no point getting worked over a bad decision because the guy didn't, nine times out of ten, or maybe sometimes ten times out of ten, the umpire doesn't mean to make a mistake. Like, he's not... He doesn't hate you, right? And he just wants, he just thinks, he just, he thinks he's made the right decision. And sometimes yeah. it's the right one, sometimes the wrong one. And I think it's just the case of accepting that and just being like, on a different day, things might go your way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think before where I was, when I started the league, I was a little bit more, um, I guess, brash and umpires and, you know, had a lot more to say. But I think now 
I actually understand that this is a tough thing to do. And I think if things, I mean, so far, for the, I said for the last three, four years, I actually haven't seen a lot of players misbehave with umpires. I think that's actually gone out of the game. Now, certainly in the Birmingham League, I've not seen it. I don't know if you guys have, but I think, um, so I'm hoping the numbers in the Birmingham League aren't declining. Yeah, I'd walk off if I was you, Will. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember our game last year? <laughs> Um, but okay, think, sorry, so, mate, just to, kind of, just to summarize so, that, I think, um, I think for me, I completely get that 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 second point, which is it is tough with umpires. I think we as players, I'm pretty sure a lot of players now have matured in actually just the fact that some days you get decisions, some days they're going to go against you. Um, nobody needs to make a mistake, you just shake hands and just you know, I think just move on. I don't think there's no point, there's no, there's no point thinking too, too deep into it. Nobody needs to do it. Fantastic. And on that note, we'll move ourselves. On to our next section and Division 2. Okay, so we start with Division 2 and leading the way are West Bromwich Dartmouth with 191 points. They have crawled themselves up the table week by week and now finally have the top spot for their own. In its second place with 177 points are Dorridge. Two points behind them are Himley. Seven points behind them are Coventry and North Warwickshire. Then nine points behind them are Litchfield in fifth. In sixth, two points behind them are Tamworth. Six points behind them are Harborn. Then in eighth on 138 points are Schiffnall. Four points behind them are Werfield. In tenth, six points behind Werfield are Lemington. And six points behind them in eleventh are Bridge North. And then on 191 points. So 31 points behind Bridge North are Bromsgrove. So guys... West Brom finally toppled Dorridge, the side who have led since week one. Dorridge with an abandoned game against Werfield this week. But uh, West Brom with a big win against Coventry and North Warwickshire. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of draws in the last few weeks in the in the league, aren't there? Um, mm. Actually, not a lot of results. Um, and... Um, some of those uh, losing draws there for those teams at the top not working in their favour and other teams picking up you know, mm. positive results around them. Um, yeah. I think since the last time we've done a pod there, we obviously talked a lot about West Brom pulling up the table, uh, but we also talked a lot about Himley as well, didn't we? And they've had three <laughs> yeah. losing draws on the banks. And yeah, we apologise, Himley. We gave you the old cow corner curse. Uh, yeah. We talked about you, talked you up, and then all of a sudden go on a bit of a run. Yeah, and um, I think uh, you, if you want to look at form, you've got the, the last three weeks, you've got Stanworth with two wins and a winning draw. You know, um, I think Schiffnall looks like over the last four games have picked up points, a couple of wins, and they've not lost a game, mm. putting themselves a bit further up. And even the, well, all the clubs have done reasonably well. Even Werfield have picked up a couple of draws and a win, and Bridge North, three winning draws in a row, keeping themselves in the game. Mm. Um it's really tight between those bot. Well, I would say bottom five, but Bromsgrove look way off at the moment. But uh, you never know. A good run of form, um, and they do have some good players who could bring it back up. And you know, you you still talk about Schiffnall, Werfield, Bridge North. They've still gone on good runs of form, but they're still yeah in danger, which it, is the one thing that would worry me slightly if I was them. It's the you could look at it in a. If you're them, you want to look at it in a positive way because if you 
you know, if you, you feel like we haven't won any games, but if you do lose the games, you find yourself way out of it, don't you? You've got to keep picking up points. That's what it's the important thing to do in the 55 over format. You've got to pick up points where you can and just stay in the fight as long as you can. And, you know, like I said, there's 160 points to play with. So if you can start to pick up a few wins and you haven't lost any ground, it means you're not having to gain it and then overtake. You, know, you can start to pull up the table. You've got to, you've got to stay in the fight to to get up there haven't you i hate using the term fight but but that <laughs> again from going from fifth down to ninth or even tenth there isn't a great deal in that at all for like a win one and a half wins yeah you know points 40 points so, between cov in fourth and leamington in tenth yeah two wins then two wins separating that almost the entire table mm. you know it's uh that win lose that win lose section at the end of the season is going to be pivotal, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a. I think usually top sides are more balanced when the game anyway. I think with, with the fifty over fifty five over, sorry, red ball, you can play you know extra batter or less bowlers and stuff, and get away with it. But I think in the white ball stuff, usually the teams that are more balanced tend to come on top, and I think that's what usually happens towards the top of the league. Teams are usually the other ones are a are better than the rest and generally more balanced as well. I know there are a lot of abandoned games, but if you want to look at that win-lose format, um, the bottom half of the table and in all of the win-lose format for the start of the season, there are only three wins in all the fixtures for the bottom half of the table in those first five games. So there are only three teams to actually, in the bottom five, to win 50-over format game. And yes, there are a lot of abandoned games. Also, it was the teams at the top half of the table that managed to get those results in and have the less abandoned games. So, maybe some of those results would have been the other way. But if you want to look at that sort of form, it doesn't look good for those teams down at the bottoms. You look, yeah, especially if you're Dorridge, you've got a game against Werfield, which you try, you probably back yourself to try and get a victory. And then it meaning that you've gone from being top by a point to then having a little bit of a gap brought up against you as well with that abandoned game. And this one brings up our first listener question in Division 2, and we had Greg Wright who said, are five points for an abandoned game fair if everyone else plays? Interested what people think would be an alternative or not, as there are lots of options. Jack Grundy then commented saying, have said that this needs looking at given how big an area the league covers the team's average points would be his alternative like what happened when games got abandoned due to covid so guys what do you what are your thoughts yeah well from my point of view with that i yeah i think it's five points doesn't seem a massive amount in terms of it obviously tries to get the game on because if if you have too many points then some people will just go well let's let's go with an abandon and shake hands and have a beer and we'll have our average points. Thanks very much. So you might have some teams playing a little bit of silly buggers and going, actually, we, we're up against, we've got a weaker side this week. Or there's a bit of rain around. We'll, we'll shake hands and we'll take nine points or 10 or 11 rather than five. So that becomes a bit of a moral dilemma. But yeah, five yeah. points doesn't seem a, a massive amount of points to to take away from having that sort of uh, <clears throat> that sort of situation you can't control from you. I don't know what the other boys think. Obviously, there's other thoughts of school of thought on this. If you, if you were to up the points, it wouldn't really make a huge amount of difference in terms of if all the games are called off, because everyone gets the same amount of points anyway. But if yeah. you're if you're the only team that doesn't play in a weekend, and like you say, you're either pushing for the top or at the bottom and you only get five and you lose a load of ground, 
that's when it becomes unfair. I assume that's where it's the, where the other side of things, if you're just the unlucky side to not play that week and everyone else gets a game in, it would be hard to up the amount of points because you have to play for bonus points if you end up playing for if you split the points, let's say. Maybe the people will say, well, just do it 50-50 down the middle. But then if you actually have an abandoned game with points, you're going to get almost the same amount of points for a win. You can walk away with one team could get maximum batting points. You get 15 points, you know, <laughs> for, a, for your game and it's, and it's abandoned. Um, but then you're getting rewarded for actually playing a positive first half of cricket. I don't know. But then if you go on average points, is that really fair if, you know, a team's struggling and they get abandoned just the same as the team that's at the top and they don't and they lose ground because they hadn't played as well that season. Is that fair? I think, I think, yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine right now. I think you also need to encourage teams to get the game on and play for points. Yeah. So if, you, if you think you're just going to be able to go there and it's going to be weather around and you're going to get points no matter what today, um, it doesn't really encourage a team that might be struggling that week and playing against a good side or, you know, to be as enthusiastic as getting the game on um, mm. and playing under certain conditions. I think you're going to get them anyway, then why would anybody bother? Good. Glad we've sorted that one and hope that answers your question, Greg. The team that surprises me by being down there is Leamington. Yeah, I think, well, we think we talked a lot about Leamington last time when John was on, wasn't mm. he? Um, I think what he was saying, it just hadn't really quite clicked as how he thought it would. And I think he's he's they're waiting for some of the big guns to be scoring some runs, and it hasn't mm. quite happened for him. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely it would be a surprise to to see them down the bottom at only finishing second in the league above only mm. not more three seasons ago, two seasons ago. Yeah. So as you mentioned, sitting in sixth place, Tamworth, the real side in form at the moment. Their last seven games have got five victories and a winning draw against Himley. Go even a game further back, they got a losing draw against Bromsgrove. So have only lost one outright in their last eight and find themselves only like 20 points off the top two. Would you say, would you think that Tamworth are probably going to be the outside punt or do you reckon that they've maybe had their surge in form a bit too early? I don't know. It's uh, the the teams in the top six. They've all won five game, five or six games. The difference between fourth, fifth, and sixth, they've lost the same amount of games as they have won. Whereas the other teams towards the top, points here and there, mm. um, in the fifty-five overs and stayed higher up in the table. So they're a win. They're win all these sides. So I'd say they're pretty inconsistent. So it's hard to say. You know, even if a team, one of those teams, does get on a run they'd be able to stay on the run. Um, where you look at the top three, uh, they've actually only, they've only lost six games between them. Whereas those two teams have, have lost 14. They've lost 14 um, between them. So I, I'd say no. I'd say the inconsistency of the season will probably carry itself through the last third. Um, looking at the top end of the table, next week is the big one. Dorridge play West Bromwich Dartmouth in a massive game, uh, especially with Himley and Coventry both playing Werfield and Bromsgrove, two sides at the other end of the table. Also, you've got your mid-table clash of Litchfield versus Tamworth. So after next week, it's going to... It could open up or it could even get tighter. But as we've always said with Division 2, anyone can beat anyone. But let's look at the last results. So two weeks ago... 
Bridge North sets 301 for nine off their 53 overs. Seb Scott with a maiden. Bridge North ton with 108 off 91 balls. Ryan Lockley in a rich vein of form at the moment with 67. Then Dorridge in reply, 106 for five off 20 overs. Uh, before that was called Ben Shepperson with 64. And Dave Laird, another person in a rich vein of form, four for 42 for Bridge North in that game. Then Litchfield bowled out Bromsgrove for 47 and then knocked them off two down in the eighth over. Then Coventry in North Warwickshire with a winning draw against Shifnal. Coventry in North Warwickshire, 197 for seven off their 138. Shivan Bramery and Will Isles again leading the scoring for them. Will Isles, 70 off 94. Shivan Bramery, 67 there. And Shifnal in response, 136 for nine. Rihanna Freedy, 64. The only person to really trouble the scorers in that one. Harris Ajaz, four for 33 for Coventry. Harborn, 275 for seven against Leamington, 188 for five. Harborn getting the 16 points there. Swapnell Gagali, 162 off 137 overs. Swapnell averaging 92.86 in Division Two this season. Mm. Unbelievable with his third ton of the season. Jamie Harris also with 47 there and no one really troubling the scorers for Leamington. Tamworth with a big result against high-flying Himley. Tamworth 183 for 7 off 40 and then Himley were 171 for 6 in the 39th over. So it was all set up before that got called. <laughs> That's uh, Tamworth have got to be happy with those 13 to 8 points there. You would think possibly Callum Render run out on 96 for Tamworth and Ollie Wes with 55. Navindu with 40 of 40 for Himley in that game. Then West Bromwich Dartmouth come away with a draw against Werfield. Werfield 231 for nine. And then West Bromwich 129 for four in reply. Lawrence Pickin getting a 50. And Ross Alcott 42 not out for Werfield there. And Shazer Ali 5 for 45 for West Brom and then Daniel Cox with 54 in that week. Then this week, uh, Dorridge versus Werfield was abandoned. So five points all round there. Himley again coming the other side out of a, a draw. Bridge North 190 all out. Ryan Lockley 84 not out. And Sam Whitney 61 for Bridge North. And then Navindu again with 69 for them. Sam Whitney 3 for 31 for Bridge North. So before we move on, if Lockers and Sam Whitney carry on in the form they're on, Whereabouts are you going to put the statue, Will? Do you put it in the car park or do you put it when people enter so that they can see both of them? Or do you put it just by the pavilion just so the players can see it on the ground? No, I think you put it by that wall in front of Sainsbury's. Yeah, they've got that little wall, that little platform there. I think yeah. you put it just there because uh, everybody could see it at all times then. You wouldn't have to like peer around the corner. It's just, mm. it's just in the right place then. 
go walk you can over, put a kiss the feet. The yeah, yeah, Lovely. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, great spot. Us <laughs> <laughs> is just sat there, just being like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think it's a pretty good spot, and I think it's a really good spot because when you, I was thinking about for my captain's money, when you're setting the field, you can just go and say, "Just, just but rubber statues, mate." it's actually it's in cow corner as well that spot so and uh, on brand on brand (laughs) and people can go pay their respects you know put their (laughs) he's not dead You know those things where you have to like where they go and you're like, oh, if you rub the foot and things, you'll get luck and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go touch the statue. You've not got many runs like you're going to go touch the statue down at Bridge North. <laughs> going to go and touch <laughs> Sam. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Tamworth got a four-wicket victory against Leamington. Uh, another big win for Tamworth, and this song was sung very loudly, I hear. Scott Daly, 55 for Tamworth in that one, and Liam Brazier, four for 40, seeing Tamworth over the line. Litchfield versus Harborn was abandoned very early, seven overs into the game, Litchfield 90 for no wicket there. Schiffnell with a big win against Bromsgrove, Bowling Bromsgrove all out for 84, but then nearly fudged it themselves, uh, but uh, got over the line five down. And then the final game, the big game in the division last week, West Bromwich Dartmouth getting a victory against Coventry in North Warwickshire. Coventry in North Warwickshire, 144 for nine in 32 overs, and then West Brom knocking them off five down in the 27th over. Ishmael Mohammed, 38, leading the run scorers for West Brom. But the runs are really shared around again. Danny Joe Cox, 23. Yusuf Khalil, 24, not out. And uh, for Coventry, Will Isles again leading the scoring for them with 39. Um, unfortunately, I'm very sorry for everyone who's listening. We have tried to get some Division 2 guests on and failed again. Um, but yeah, so we do have someone who will be we, we will be looking to get on uh, for the next episode anyway. But we do apologise for that. We are We are trying our best. We're just not getting anywhere with the... Uh, the clubs that we're trying to get guests on as we try and share it around various clubs in the Birmingham League. So um, after all those, it's all set up quite nicely in Division 2. And from your impartial outlook on that, guys, um, what are your thoughts having gone through those results and having looked at the table? There's a lot of big games coming up this weekend, I'd say. There's a few teams close together with clashes. You've already mentioned the top of the table one. If West Brom carry on their form and win that. They end up 30 points there at the top. And, you know, I think um, Himley are also playing Workfield. Um, if they win that, if Himley manages to win that game, you know, it put on a bit of trouble, especially with Bridge North playing Leamington. Below. So one of those teams could leapfrog there and get at the table and push Waterfield down. That also push Himley into second. Um, roughly on about well, nearly 200 points themselves. So, and that you've got the mid-table clash as well. So that there's a lot. I think if the rain could stay away, 
a lot will happen this week and a few teams will pull away and a few teams eventually find themselves a few points grace um, which a lot of teams haven't had going forward it's probably depending on the weather unfortunately again but it might be the week where things start to separate themselves a bit more especially away from Bromsgrove because actually when you look at it Bromsgrove aren't doing well but they're not far off Bruce North they're not far off Leamington Bridge North win and Bromsgrove win all of a sudden that you know it changes the league a little bit again yeah, I guess the benefit of having such a big game so with still so much cricket left is that whichever team unfortunately doesn't win it has, it still has time to catch them up mm. and sometimes when you have a big game towards the end of the season it's kind of like well if we lose this we're pretty much out of it but I think now whoever does uh, unfortunately for them but whoever does still has sufficient time to kind of make up ground so that's good that makes it quite interesting I think yeah and at that point i think we'll call an end on this podcast and we'll take ourselves on to our final section so once again thank you very much for listening to another episode if you do have any questions or just like the secret umpire you want to send yours in via voice note please do send it to cowcornerpodcast.gmail.com or send in send it into our direct messages and just like the secret umpire we will broadcast them because we've got our wonderful new mixer which gives us all sorts of wonderful sound effects um which again we are trying to get on top of it um and use it a bit more regularly and get some sound effects that we can use to brighten up the podcast for you but yeah no we um thank you again for your support and if you can like share subscribe and follow and get other people interested that would be amazing and would mean a lot to us if you are interested in playing for the cow corner sunday 11 or if you want to host the cow corner sunday 11 we are a very good sociable side we've got a good mix of players from all sorts and uh we do support the bars of all the clubs that we go to so it's a it's a win-win and we will also film content at your club and we will put little highlights packages and also can't we want to come and speak to some of the patrons and all sorts of stuff as well so it's uh, a bit of a whammy all in one so if you are interested or in hosting us or even playing get in touch with us you can get in contact with us through all the things that i've said before or even badger one of the guys on a weekend so on that note i will say thank you very much will thank you very much good to be here again yeah thank you very much as thank you very much james (laughs) uh all the best guys Uh, until the next episode goodbye